0: It's been five months since the novel coronavirus outbreak was declared a pandemic. Nine months since the virus was first detected. And since those early days, scientists around the world have dedicated countless hours to understanding the tiny pathogen. Despite that work, little is still known about the virus that has infected tens of millions and killed hundreds of thousands. And humanity's understanding of it changes day after day. I'm Adam Toy, and this is Why. Earlier this year, there were no mask mandates in cities across Canada, and the Public Health Agency of Canada and the WHO didn't recommend the use of face coverings. New scientific evidence surrounding how the novel coronavirus spreads caused policymakers to make those changes. But this isn't the first time paradigms about the world around us have changed. Europeans used to think that Earth stood still and the sun, other planets, and the stars revolved around the Earth. Nicholas Copernicus circulated a controversial manuscript saying that the Sun stood still and the Earth moved around it, and it was possible to predict where heavenly bodies would be in the night sky. Copernicus's arguments for this arrangement of the Sun and planets was built on by scientists like Tycho Brahe, Galileo, and Isaac Newton during the 170-some years of work, and until now we have an understanding of where and why planets, stars, and comets move through space the way they do and the forces at work. That's how science and understanding evolves. But we're still largely at the beginning of our understanding of COVID-19. Back in Episode 8 of this season, we spoke with Dr. Chris Modi of the University of Calgary before the pandemic was declared by the World Health Organization about what scientists know about the novel coronavirus. Now let's find out what research has discovered since then. Horatio Bach is an adjunct professor in the Division of Infectious Diseases at UBC's Faculty of Medicine. Thanks for your time today, Horatio. Hello, Adam. Thank you for the invitation. Pleasure to be here. So back in March, we were speaking with Dr. Chris Modi of the University of Calgary and he told us at that time what we understood, what the scientific community knew about uh, the novel coronavirus that causes COVID-19. Um, so we wanted to bring you on to, to provide sort of an update to, to find out what the scientific community has learned in, uh, you know, since early march uh let's start with maybe the question that is uh on everybody's mind since this pandemic has hit is where are we at with developing a vaccine and treatments
1: uh, well that's a very broad question um regarding vaccines um as you may be aware there are more than 170 applications or uh, companies that are developing that, uh, including universities and many institutes. Um, Some of them are in different stages. So um, just to give a little background, uh, in order to uh, provide the vaccine to the population, you need to pass three different phases. The first phase is what you do. You check about kind of toxicity. It's a very small group of volunteers, so you provide that and you check after a couple of months you know if it's some toxicity a uh, fever or allergy and so on and of course you start to check if this person develop a neutralizing antibodies or protecting antibodies mean if it, the vaccine has any effect in the body of the uh, the person uh, the second one after phase one you go to phase two where you are going to test about one thousand uh, people and some of them can be with, the, in, in, with different um, um, chronic diseases, or different ages, or different ethnic ethnic groups. And after you go there, so you pass to phase three. That is a very big uh, that you are talking about fifty thousand, at least thirty to fifty thousand uh, uh, people that uh, should be done. You know more. Um, uh, accurate. So you take a group of, uh, I mean, ages, you take uh, people that they are with different conditions, you take different ethnic groups, you need to take all this stuff in consideration, and you also vaccinate in areas where you have a high level of the disease to see if you protect the rest of the population. As per today, there are only three companies that they are in phase three, means that they start to vaccinate for, you know, these uh, 50,000 people, and in general, they'll do it different parts of the world. Um, that is taking time. The problem is when you develop a vaccine, you expect to have at least 10 years' studies until you put something in the market. Uh, of course, today, you cannot wait 10 years. It's an emergency, so some of the steps are a little lighter. But definitely, in the end, you have to see, okay, if I um, vaccinated 50,000 people, how many of them, they produce antibodies? So according to the FDA, they will approve a vaccine for use if at least fifty percent of the vaccinated people are uh, or developed basically protecting antibodies. Um, so um, you can start to vaccinate i don't say you know not stop one year to do you can start vaccine to vaccinate but you don't know what is the, if it's going to protect or not. Recent uh, um, reports that we got from Israel and Spain, they checked basically in people, they were sick already with the disease with COVID-19, and they tested if these people, they still have these uh, antibodies, basically, uh, protecting antibodies. That's the way that you protect yourself. You have a disease, you make antibodies, and you are protected for the next round. And they found that uh, after uh, three, four months, the antibodies disappeared means that if for some reason in your body you don't have the connection for the extended time for production of antibodies. Even in Spain, they check uh, 30,000 uh, uh, patients, uh, that they recovered, and they found that, 60,000, sorry, only 5%, they still have uh, protecting antibodies after three or four months. So we don't know if that will be the same case of vaccines. Maybe the vaccine will last for three months, maybe for one year. Maybe you have to give a booster after six months. Still, is, you know, it's, it's, it's a long study, and unfortunately, we need to wait. It's not easy. Um, regarding the therapy, is also a big problem. As you, you are aware, there was some uh, kind of treatment with hydroxychloroquine, and then came another compound. And the problem is uh, it's based on the very a small clinical trials means that you take 20 people, you know, in the hospital and you treat, and then you check. But it's not a significant means. We use statistic to see from a small portion of the population, we extend to the big portion using statistic. But 20, 40 people is not enough. You have to have much, much more. There are trials on their way now uh, in different uh, using different types of uh, uh, therapies, but. We need to wait. It's a very uh, uh, long-term. You have to check the the, the, the the health of the patient as well that you treat, what's happening after the treatment or during the treatment. Uh, the only thing that is uh, known now that apparently it was uh, approved by FDA is use of dexamethasone that is an is anti-inflammatory. Because in severe cases, basically what's happening is the disease is advancing, and the immune response is so strong that cannot be controlled by the body. We have the system to control immune response, but this is so high that at this point, probably is the immune response what is killing the person and not the virus because it's taking over. And um, dexamethasone basically is a drug steroid that it can reduce the inflammation or this immune response. So um, it's, it's giving also for specific uh, cases, and that is the situation today all this stuff is taking time and you know you cannot give to someone that uh you know after three months one year we start to see side effects so this this percentage of the population has a you know more susceptible to heart attack or so on so that is a a long uh, um, uh, study that you know we need to evaluate.
0: It's interesting about the the, um, the immune response and the antibodies, uh, or the, the the production of antibodies and the efficacy of a- antibodies, because there were, uh, you know, cases in Belgium, the Netherlands, and Hong Kong of of people who previously had uh, COVID nineteen were then reinfected. That would seem to indicate that that the antibodies aren't. Uh, overly long-lasting, but I also understand that in, with other diseases, once you have developed that immunity for that disease, those immunities uh, remain in uh, in your blood plasma, and so there's a, a look to convalesce- convalescent plasma as a possible way to help uh, you know uh, people who are currently uh, suffering from the disease, and possibly for um, in, uh, developing immunities in in other people in the, in in the future however it's a and, and I also know that the US CDC recently recommended the use of convalescent plasma what does the science say about that that convalescent plasma and uh, and, and the coronavirus
1: yes yeah, so um, we just published a paper now related to this the potential use of a uh, convalescent plasma um, from previous studies that have been done in for a uh, SARS-1 and the MERS that is a, by, variation of the coronavirus that produce also uh, similar uh, syndromes. Um, The studies were, again, very, very small, and sometimes they lack control, so we don't know. Um, What we learned, basically, is that it's very important who is the the, the donor and who is the receptor. I mean, if you want to donate plasma, they have to check you for many uh, 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 parameters. Including if you still have the antibodies, of course. And for the donor as well, they need to be checked several uh, parameters and see if there is kind of a, 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 a fit, say, of or, or matching the blood. Or that, that, that there are several parameters that need to be checked. So from the previous studies, or uh, that, as I mentioned from SARS 1 and, and MERS, it looks like the uh, the use of convalescent plumas plasma is reducing basically the hospitalization time from say 14 days to 11 days or seven days and um, what we found that is more effective is effective is to give the plasma before the symptoms appear you know so it's, it's very hard to do that because you don't know when you will be infected but if you have already the disease you go with already with three four or five days your body already start to produce antibodies so it's Having all these antibiotics can generate a big issue as well. Uh, There are a lot of, um, that's the reason the FDA just approved for very, very uh, exceptional cases because we don't know exactly if the the level of of protection that can be done. Um, Also, for example, for people with obesity, it's a big deal because uh, people with obesity, I mean, like a heavy obesity, not a regular, uh, 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 you know, a little overweight. Uh, the problem is these people already they have an inflammatory uh, process in the in the body because that is inflammation basically when you pass to high uh, heavy obesity. And we don't know how we react the body that is already dealing with something else. suddenly you get this antibody. So it's, it's a lot of research. Um, we found that it can be beneficial based on the previous studies but, Apparently, you have to apply that before the disease is starting. That's specific for coronavirus. We know that you can be infected for two, three days until you see that uh, you start to feel the symptoms. Uh, that's the reason once you are exposed, um, you have to, you know, go to quarantine because it may take a few days to 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 happen. So maybe if something will be implemented and everything is okay, I would say, you know, what people they were exposed, you know, in a say, party bar or whatever. So they're probably, okay, let's put that, the plasma, before, uh, you know, your symptoms appear. But I don't think it's going to be in, in, in the short time because it's not the easy way to, uh, you know, to provide that. It's something that needs to be checked and takes time and, of course, it's money as well. Let's
0: uh, let's look to um, the effects of the novel coronavirus. Um, back in March the, to my understanding, it, it was it was thought to be just a, um, uh, a, a, a a respiratory virus like the common cold, and affecting you know the upper uh, uh, respiratory tract, so your you know your nose and your throat, but then also uh, affecting the lower respiratory tract, uh, the lungs. Um, but there seems to be increased effects all over the body. People losing their sense of smell and taste is, a, uh, is their, um, you know, uh, digestive upset, diarrhea, arrhythmias, or even heart attacks, uh, damage of kidneys and livers, um, uh, cognitive problems, you know, he- fogginess, headaches, uh, e- or th- and even heard of, of COVID toe. It, this virus seems to be, depending on the person, attacking just about every system of the body.
1: That is correct, and uh, I will need to give a little background. So basically, the virus, as you know, viruses, they, they cannot multiply outside the cells. They need a live cell to multiply. So in order to get into a live cell, they need to be internalized. I mean, someone needs to take them inside because they don't have the the, 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 the protein of the system to go inside by themselves. So they have to use something in the host, and this case will be the you know the the cells in our body. Now, the, the uh, this virus is using a re- what we call a receptor. Means it's a protein that is attached to the membrane of the cell, but is facing outside. It's called ACE2. ACE2 is the protein that the virus is binding to in order to be internalized inside the cell. Now, if you don't have ACE2 receptor protein on your cell, the virus cannot internalize. It's staying outside and doesn't do any harm. Now, what's happening is this, this ACE2 uh, protein has uh, other functions, of course. It's not there just to, to, to allow the virus to go inside the cell. And the functions are related to uh, regulation of blood pressure, inflammation, and other functions inside the cell. So what's happening, this protein is responsible to breaking down another protein that is circulating in blood, and that is the way they regulate the pressure. Now, supposedly now that uh, once the the virus is binding this uh, ACE receptor is internalized, and now you have less ACE2 on the surface, so cannot leave or digest or or, or break down this big protein. I told not, big but it's a small protein that is regulating the blood. So what's happening is an increase in the blood uh, circulation in this area and that the inflammation is like, you know, something is you start to pump the fluid inside. So start to grow and start to produce an inflammation and you have the immune system coming to see what's going on there. And then they start to produce what we call these pro-inflammatory proteins and start to be a, a big problem there. Now, the uh, another issue is that this ACE receptor is very abundant in many uh, organs as well. Exactly what you mentioned, we have in the kidney, we have in the, in the digestive tract. That's the reason people feel very bad. And if you analyze the fecal um, sample of these people, you will see a huge amount of the virus. It means that the virus is shed all the time with the fecal um in the as 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 feces basically through the the tract, so that's the reason at some point the virus when it start to escape from the lung can go everywhere, it can go in the lungs uh, sorry in the heart um when they produce what is called myocarditis that is an inflammation of the heart that is one of the symptoms as well you it can go even to the using the the nerves that's the reason you lose the as you say the the smell sense. And we don't know yet what are for the long-term effect because there are people, they recover. Sometimes they cannot talk properly. They have some uh, mental damage as well. So they still very early to this. Of course, it depends on you know, each, uh, each uh, person, but uh, 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 so what's happened also is uh, uh, you are going to the kidney. So at some point there is the collapse of all your organs because it's, they start to be inflamed everywhere and there is also inflammation and also you have like a probably you heard about that that there is a lot of clots in different parts of the body because it's like you know there is a lot of inflammation there is pressure because the 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 blood pressure cannot be regulated properly and that is the main point so um, there is a a, a, a completely a, a problem in all the organs and they start to, to collapse one by one. And that is the severe cases that probably there is nothing to do at this point.
0: I find that fascinating, and I didn't, I didn't realize the ACE2 receptors were largely responsible for regu- helping regulate blood pressure. That's the, this coronavirus is 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 literally throwing a spanner in the works of the circulatory system uh, for that blood pressure, and and so if you're unable to regulate, yeah, I can. Uh, when you mentioned that, it, I can I can now see with my you know my understanding of high school uh, biology, um, you know the 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 the, the cascading issues that this could cause. Um, Speaking of the ACE2 receptors, I was doing some reading and I thought I read somewhere that, um, that ACE2 receptors seem to be more abundant in people with higher testosterone levels. And if that's the case, does this coronavirus affect men worse than women, given that there's uh, 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 more testosterone in men than women, generally?
1: I don't know if that was a, a, a disseminated in the media, but uh, um, the rate of infection between women and men is roughly 50%, 51 or versus 49, you can say 50%, so it's the same level of infection. For some reason, there are three men that will die compared to one woman. So. Um, there is yet it's under investigation because we don't know. We know that there are differences in sex in, in science when we work and we use uh, animal models. So, always you have to have a group of uh, female and male uh, when, when you use animals because uh, male, they, uh, female, they produce their own steroids that can be also an effect. And uh, particularly in this case, there is um, um, it looks like some of the um antiviral products that we produce during infection naturally not that we add uh, or consume um it looks like the, the 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 response in women is much stronger than men and that may be the reason that there are uh more uh, you know men dying compared to women and um, basically we have we are um, we have received funding to do a study to determine what is the real a, a difference because that can be maybe managed by medications. So what we are using now, what is called organoids. Organoids are it's kind of a new concept. Is when you take a biopsy of a patient, basically you start to grow the this biopsy. I mean the cells. They start to uh, build like a 3D uh, system where you can. Uh, it's not an organ. That's what is it's called organoids. You no know, organ-like, basically. Uh, but you can get a lot of information. So these uh, cells, when we start to build this uh, 3D uh, system, we will use to, um, to understand why, when you infect with the virus, you know, what are the different responses. And then maybe, you know, as you say, maybe injecting testosterone may be a, a solution or managing other uh, a, a system that can be you know, alleviated, basically, uh, or put in equal rate or reduced, because it sh- should be a difference there. So that we are investigating as
0: well. We had many more questions for Dr. Bach, but we've run out of time today. On the next episode of This Is Why, Dr. Bach explains why the coronavirus could be airborne and the process that the scientific community will take to determine that. This Is Why is produced by me, Adam Toy, and Dave McIver. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and wash your hands. We'll see you soon.